Hey everyone, welcome to this week's Naughty Talk Short. In a few minutes, I'm going to go ahead and turn things over to Panda Pet. They are going to be doing their Meet the Cast segment, so I'm excited for that. But before we turn things over, I just want to do a little bit of an announcement. I know we've been talking a lot about the Kink School Convention. It is a virtual event, and it is coming up very, very soon. And it's going to be taking place May 12th through the 15th, 2022. Again, it's virtual, so you can attend from anywhere in the world. And I am going to be teaching along with VD Mac, with Panda Pet and Hypno Story. We're all really excited about it. So the whole cast is going to be there. My classes with Mac are going to be um, sort of a, an introduction to primal play um, called Primal Fantasies, a central BDSM class. Both of those classes are brand new, and we're really excited to do them for the first time. And then we are also going to do Dollhouse's Dreamscapes and Desires, which is about how to take a story or a piece of erotica or a piece of visual art and use it as inspiration to convey fantasies to your partner or to develop sexier scenes. So a lot of fun to be had. Panda and Hypno Story are going to be teaching, I think, five different Hypno Kink classes, and there are also lots of other presenters doing really cool things. So think about checking it out. You can use promo code SUNNY10, it's capitals SUNNY10, to get 10% off the ticket price. And for more information, you can go to kinkschool.ca, and I hope to see some of our listeners there. With that said, I'm going to go ahead and turn things over to Panda Pet, and I hope that you all tune in for the show next week. Thanks. Well, hello. Welcome to Alone Time with Panda, aka your Panda Meet the Cast. I'm going to read what I'm answering out loud as I'm going, just to keep things straight. Uh, and we have a couple things to get to, so let's crack into it. And if you know what podcast I just sold that line from, then uh, you're my new best friend. (laughs) So the first thing is a quick review of kink roles and identity. And I'll try to start from broad and kind of work my way down to more niche. I am pansexual with a homosexual leaning for sure, especially right now. Uh, So I consider myself more homo-flexible than pansexual, but I still fall under that umbrella. And that's my sexuality. In terms of gender, I am gender-fluid at the current moment, although I wouldn't be surprised if that eventually changes to something else. At best, I feel okay with my body and femme, and enjoy femming. And on other days, I really prefer to be more androgynous and kind of on the queer spectrum. I don't know that I ever feel terribly mask. Although in alone sexy time sometime, or like when I'm playing with a femme partner, that masculine energy does come out for me a little bit more, but not enough so that I would ever want to identify as masculine or use any he, him kind of pronouns. I also romantically consider myself pan-romantic. Really, the most accurate description of me is pan-romantic and homo-flexible. I'm polyamorous. I prefer kitchen table-style poly, which is the kind where all of my partners at least have met each other, are friendly with each other, 
can sit around a table and eat a meal together and have a good time. I really enjoy the family atmosphere of that style of poly. As far as my kink roles are concerned and my kink identities, I have lots of those. Identify as a little, an age player, which don't necessarily have to be the same thing, by the way. You can be little without being an age player. Uh, identify as a pet, a submissive, um, an oblate, just a hypno story, which is our term for the word slave because we don't like using the word slave in an MS context. I'm a puppy. I'm a brat for sure. Uh, although more of like the sassy, clever variety than the willfully disobedient variety. I'm generally pretty obedient, but I do enjoy wordplay and sass and being clever. Oh, I'm a hypnotic switch for sure. Uh, so in kink in general, I'm definitely on the bottom. I'm a submissive. Uh, but specifically for hypnoplay, I seem to be more comfortable with topping than in any other kind of kink. So I definitely would consider myself a switch in the hypnotic realm because that is something I found that I do enjoy. I'm an edge player and kind of define that for myself as somebody who pursues pushing boundaries, my own boundaries, that is, and chasing that intensity and adrenaline and challenging myself with how far I can go. Edge player can mean so many different things to different people. A lot of people only see it in the hardcore sense of like blood play, like knives and sutures and staples and that kind of thing. And yeah, that's certainly edge play. And I enjoy some of that for sure. But that's not necessarily why I identify as an edge player. I would consider myself a dark age player also under that realm of age play, just because most things I do have darker interests as well. I really like being controlled. I enjoy the taboo. I like exploring what makes other people uncomfortable and why. And that kind of loops into what my biggest kinks are. I will always say in classes that we teach that for me, everything comes down to control. Almost every kink that I participate in comes down to control in that I want to be controlled and give up control and power to somebody else. So that's really what it all boils down to for me at the end of the day. But my biggest kinks, I would say, are rope. I'm a rope bottom. I'm a rope bunny. I love being tied. The lovely chemical feelings afterwards feel great to me. Hypnosis is definitely a big kink for me right now. Power exchange is probably my single biggest kink just because it permeates almost everything that I do with almost everybody I play with in some way, shape, or form. And consensual non-consent is kind of one of my bigger kinks. That's not to say that I'll do that with just anybody. I do that with a very select few partners who I have trust and rapport with. But I usually keep playing on that level to a pretty small pool, but it is one of my favorite kinds of play just because it gives me that release that I'm looking for, that it gives me that reveling in intensity 
and taboo, and I can really lose myself in that. The third question we have is really fun. Uh, what do you do to prep for a kink event? I have done a couple different recordings about this on our own Discord server, which is called Constellation. I have a sub-channel called Panda Car Talks, which is just like me rambling. And for one of those, or maybe even two of those, I did how I prepare for a con online or in person. I'm not going to go over that because that was like a full half an hour if you combined those two. But really the things I do to prep for a kink event are around preparing for me to be altered in the future. It's kind of like sober you preparing for drunk you or like the closers preparing for the openers to come in the next day. I pack options for outfits depending on how I feel gender-wise that day and how comfortable I feel in my body. I definitely pack all my things for femming as far as toiletries go. So like my toner, moisturizer, my whole face routine, extra makeup just in case, earring choices, scrunchy choices. I like choices because I'm very indecisive. So I like to be able to decide that day what it is that I'm going to do. Food prep is also a really big thing for me for cons, either online or in person, because I know I'm going to be very busy. I'm not really going to want to be thinking about food that much. I'm going to want to be focusing on the time that I have with the people who are in front of me. So I pack a lot of snacks. If there's a fridge in the hotel, then we usually prepare some food in advance and bring in a cooler to keep in our hotel room so we can eat some meals in our room just quick, easy, and then go on with our day. And class preparation is also another really big one for us. We develop our classes by rehearsing them at home, timing them out, tweaking things, deciding what we're going to do for demos, cutting material if we have to so we know we have enough time for questions and answers. And we always print hard copies of our outlines because we like to have hard copies in front of us, especially if something goes wrong, if we're trying to use a monitor. We do like to use a monitor for following our outlines, but we always have that backup just in case. The next one is tell us some fun vanilla facts about yourself or your hobbies and interests. I... Would love to because I'm super out about myself and what I do. So I do not mind at all doing this. I am a classically trained singer. I got my master's and my postgraduate degree in opera because I hate money, apparently. But I've been in musical theater my entire life. I love singing, dancing. I've probably taken classes in just about every style of dance and really enjoyed tap and modern dance specifically, and even was a TA in college for modern dance for a little while. I love gaming, specifically around like the Nintendo variety. So I've always had a Nintendo system, starting with the N64. I love the Mario franchise. I love the Zelda franchise, have played pretty much every single game in those realms. And like I have played one or two indie games 
here and there, but really mostly I stick to Nintendo right now. Right now, like specifically in this time right now, I am obsessed with Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. It is such an open world concept. I can break every rule and not follow a script, and I super enjoy that about that game. As far as other hobbies go, I really enjoy being with people. And so a lot of my other hobbies or interests revolve around doing fun things with others. I love playing games with others, whether that be like video games, board games, or something more, a little more sporty. I don't love sports sports, but I love like bowling or going to arcades or like doing like table hockey or pool, things like that, where you can just hang out with your friends, have a few drinks, play a bunch of games. I used to go to my friend's house every single week when I was living in Pennsylvania and have a board game night where we would just drink and play different board games and I would sleep over And I really miss those times because it was really fun. The last big interest I have is like anything involved in the horror genre. I love horror movies. I listen to a couple murder or paranormal podcasts. My nesting partners at home don't like horror movies. So that's usually like an alone time activity. Like if I'm being self-indulgent, then I'll close my door, turn off my lights and watch a horror movie. Midsommar is one of my favorites. I love the psychological horror movies that are like simultaneously really well done and beautiful. A favorite piece of kinky art or writing that you did not create yourself. You're going to think I'm biased, but obviously I love the books written by Sunny Lee Main, especially Turn the Key. There's a lot of nostalgia there for me, too, because as she was writing them, she would send us chapters and I would read them to Daddy out loud, which was a super fun, hot, kinky way to engage in those together. And then half the time we would end up playing afterwards with something that we saw in the story that we liked. So that was super fun. I am not going to be able to remember what specific story this is, but there's a specific website where it's all like hypnosis and like control erotica. And there was a very lesbian centric one. I remember reading a while ago that involved a computer virus and being taken over by that virus and roommates like getting sexually involved and being taken over by it. And it was just so controlly, like involuntary, hot. That was great. Uh, another person, writer in general, who I love is Nath. That's N A T H, who has a lot of work on Read Only Minds, which is another erotica website. There is a really good escape room erotica on there that involves hypnosis and sexy things and queer people. And I just hacking love it. Nath is an incredible writer and just an incredible human. Moving on to things I find sexy. I think this does overlap quite a bit with what are my biggest kinks, but the things I find sexy. 
Definitely anyone who is like androgynous presenting or like butchy presenting, like, but still identifying as female in some way, like those who still consider themselves femme or female, but go by daddy or sir or master or mister, that specific gender niche has a very large pull for me and just melts my little queer heart immediately and wants me to go involve myself with them. Things that I find sexy, again, usually revolve around control or like being controlled, being overwhelmed, that kind of thing. I find personalities and brains sexy in general. Besides that one niche, like physical thing that I mentioned in the beginning, I'm not terribly immediately physically attracted to people. I'm much more attracted to intelligence, humor, wit, creativity. Those are all things that I find really hot. Confidence is also something that I find really sexy and like self-assuredness because that helps me to know that I can be myself and that they are being themselves and that they will probably make some decisions for me and that I can trust them to have confidence in making those decisions because I don't like being the one to make the decisions. (laughs) And before I move on, I gotta say that more and more in the past, like, year or so, I have found faces of people in hypnosis or in trance to be very sexy. The eye flutters, the eye rolls, that relaxed look on their face, all of it's just mm, real good. I think part of it is because I know where they are and kind of what that feels like. So I know that they're in a really fun, awesome space, but it's also just really fun to watch and like make happen. (laughs) The next one is things that are giant red flags for you personally. So again, this is me personally. I'm not being prescriptive. I'm not saying that anybody else has to agree with me on these. But actually, one of my biggest turn-offs is a big ego. I think there's a really big difference between confidence and being able to speak well of yourself and marketing yourself and talking about yourself to make other people seem smaller or maybe over-exaggerating who you know or your accomplishments. I just don't see any worth in it. I don't see any merit in it. And usually if I find out that somebody was over-exaggerating something about who they know or what they've done, then I really wonder why they felt the need to do that. I think another really big red flag for me is people who overshare without checking on consent first, especially if I don't really know them. You'd be astounded at the amount, or maybe wouldn't, at the amount of messages that I have gotten of people like telling me like some of their trauma or their past or their journey, their exploration. And I understand why. I'm a very open person. I'm a very good, easy witness for others. And mostly, I'm pretty happy to do that for others. But I want people to ask if that's okay first. What I really appreciate is when friends will ask, are you in a place where 
I can have a difficult conversation with you. Or, hey, are you available to give me support? Or, hey, can you listen to this and validate if I'm being crazy or not? Those kind of things. Just like a really quick check-in feels really important to me to check on consent and bandwidth and spoons. I think another red flag for me in general is people who don't listen, who interrupt other people when they're trying to convey something important. I get the humans interrupt other humans, and especially if we're neurodivergent, which a lot of us are, we get so excitable that sometimes we can accidentally talk over each other. And I think that's totally okay. But when somebody's trying to communicate something about themselves, I like to let them totally finish before I give my opinion or give my side of what I see, if that's what they're looking for. There have been plenty of times, particularly in vanilla life, and I hate to say it, but particularly with men, where I'm trying to communicate something, sometimes as their superior, and they cut me off to interject something that they try to finish my sentence and interject with their understanding that I'm trying to tell them without me actually finishing the line of communication. The next one's what do you like to give and receive for aftercare? I am pretty easy, I think, and stereotypical almost in terms of my aftercare. I'm speaking mostly from the receiving end because I am usually the bottom. And in terms of what I like to give, that's really based on the other person. What I like to give for aftercare is pretty much whatever the other person needs or wants because I'm doing it as a service. I'm a people pleaser. From a receiving point, it kind of depends on what we've been doing. Sometimes at the end of scene, if it was really intense, I'm going to cry. And I'm just going to want that person to hold me while I cry until it's over. But I pretty much always want cuddles. I pretty much always get cold and want a blanket or to be covered after the scene. Because I suddenly feel like very vulnerable and exposed and cold. I usually need water because I don't drink enough in my life historically. So then my body's like, oh my God, please hydrate me. And I usually want something sweet or salty, like cheese or an ice cream bar. Usually it's in one of those two realms and it's pretty specific in terms of what I want for food. Kind of anything will do if we're at like a party and I don't have my preference with me. But if I'm home, usually I want an outshine bar or I want a couple like sharp cheddar snack cheeses, something like that. And I also usually want to kind of debrief about the scene, like talk about what their favorite part was, talk about how hot it was, tell them what my favorite things are so that they understand what my experience was like. So if we want to do it again, that maybe they'll do that really hot thing again that I want them to. That's usually why I'm communicating that kind of thing. But yeah, cuddles and connecting afterwards are a really big part of that for me. Next up is currently, what is your favorite kinky toy to play with? I'm going to be really honest. I don't really play with a ton of kinky toys. I like bodies. <laughs> I like skin to skin contact. 
This toy is not terribly kinky, but I always have my Hitachi nearby because it's my go-to like sexy time toy or tool. I do really enjoy using fixation objects. So like pocket watches, shiny things, crystals. I enjoy using that kind of trope when it comes to topping for hypnosis. My favorite toy on the receiving end has been for a while and will probably always be like floggers, specifically big, thuddy, like really heavy floggers that just make you feel like you got hit by a Mack truck. (laughs) Obviously, I need to warm up to them. But once I'm warmed up and I'm there, oh, they're so good. (laughs) And the last question, which I think is a great one, is what drove you to want to be on a podcast about kink? This is a pretty broad, a large life question for me right now. I've been thinking about doing kink podcasting on my own for quite a while. I really enjoy teaching. I enjoy educating. I find it easy to talk about myself and have learned a way to communicate to others in a way where I can talk about myself, but also help others learn in the process. And it's really important to me to be exactly who I am and live in that authenticity to inspire others to be able to do that as well. So I'm very out in my personal life, in my kink life. I truly am one whole person and do not live two separate lives at all. Not to say there's anything wrong if you do. That's just not how I'm choosing to live my life right now. And as a part of that exploration and journey, I would really love to be able to do kink work for a living. Kink education, podcasting, like classes, even teaching at universities on consent and negotiation and kink. Those are things that I am super passionate about like helping others with their problems and troubleshooting with their relationships is something that I've done a fair amount of just like personally for other people that I enjoy as well. I can't help but feel like I have a broader calling to do this kind of work. So when Sunny asked us if we would be interested in assisting with the podcast or being on the podcast, I was so ridiculously for it because I feel like The work I've been doing lately with this podcast and teaching at a varied kind of conventions are really like broadening my scope, spreading my net, and helping me to learn if I can really make this happen, because that's something I would love to do. So if you are listening to this and have thoughts on how to make kink education more of a viable living or like advice or whatnot, please find me on FetLife or Discord. I am Panda Pet in both places. And I would love to hear more about that because that is what I am looking to pursue at the end of the day. Thank you folks so much for listening to me ramble on about myself for probably 20 to 30 minutes now. Please, if there was something useful here for you, take what's entertaining or useful and leave what doesn't serve you. And kink on, my friends, and you'll hear from me soon.